0: Well, howdy. (laughs) I'd like to say I'm just as proud to be here, (laughs) but I'm probably just as tired to be here. (laughs) But anyway, it's good to be here in, uh, where am I, Madonna. It's been a long time, I don't remember how many years since I've been here, but you were at the Stony Brook, uh, Stony, is it Stony Brook, the church over there, some years back, but uh, my life's been few and full of troubles, and I didn't travel a lot for about two years, so Bill asked me if I'd come back up here, so I thought, well, I'd like to go back. I need to go back, and so it's good to be here. It's good to see everybody, see friends and brothers and sisters that I've known over the years. Some of them, I, I said, hey, you did this for me, and it was somebody else. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to be here, and I'd like to take this opportunity To also say good morning to, I understand this is being streamed, Uh, if I'd known that, I'm not sure I would have jumped on it or not, but because we don't want to tap the world with this face, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But anyway, I'd like to say good morning or good afternoon to my friends and brothers over in the Philippines who might be looking on, uh, listening now, though it's 12 o'clock at night there, so they probably would not be viewing this today or right now, they'd view it later on. Also uh, friends in Jamaica and naturally friends here in the states and different uh, states of the U.S. And especially I would like to say hello and congratulations to a group of people, I don't know how many, over in Rwanda that were baptized uh, on Friday our time. So that would have been a few hours ago. Uh, we, I don't know how many were baptized, but Mr. Zabel and Annie Umbo from Kenya went over and baptized several people in a group who has is headed there by a man named Mr. Jean Claude Rabamba. And I've been talking to these men, and they've been working for the CGI for for many years, probably somewhere about eight, nine, ten years. So I would just like to express congratulations to the people over there who were baptized and now have Christ and God living in them as Holy Spirit rather than with them. Congratulations to you and it's, Mighty, mighty good to hear this news about you. Not heard back from Xavalin and Jean yet, but I'm sure that it went okay. What I would like to think about today for a few minutes here is that I don't know how many of you traveled AirTran in the old days. Did any of you traveled AirTran Airways? Well, how many of you travel Southwest today? Now, there is a difference. In those airlines, uh, Airtran, the the captain used to play the harmonica before he started flying. Uh, in Southwest, if you notice, it's a happy out airline. Now, some people might say they're a bunch of clowns, but you know they're on there. You know, well, if you get nervous, uh, just jump out. You know that type thing. Oh, we got a special day today. The captain turned 99. <laughs> and. What it is is they make it a happy place for you. You, I used to wonder why people would line up in that special line to get in an airline. It didn't make sense. But now, if they ain't got a line like that, I don't hardly want to (laughs) fly. So I like flying Southwest. And there are other businesses that are picking up on that because they're getting into this thing where uh, when you study the brain you know, and, and, and read about the brain and listen to the experts talk, Happiness, and really life, is up here. It's in the head. So what these people do is to get you involved, they want you laughing. They want you happy. You know, so really, you think about it. Our job as Christians should be that everybody that walks in this room should be happy, right? So today I'd like to give a talk about something and I call it a joyful house of prayer for all people. This idea came back many years ago when I started uh, having anniversaries for our little group in Raleigh, North Carolina. Every year I would give a presentation called Dare to Dream and basically it centered around the idea that we would do everything we could to make this a joyful house of prayer for all people. And the takeoff is from Isaiah 56, I think it is. We might read that later on if time doesn't run out on me. But the thing about it is that we feel that this should be a joyful house of prayer for all people. And I'd like to discuss a few things this morning. And, and what I'm doing is I'm I'm giving you a, a service idea Not that you should implement it, but it's something that we've done for about 19 years. The funny thing about it, though, is the building is not overloaded with people yet, but God is the one that adds. You know, I thought in 99, when I first gave this presentation about the house of prayer and the the anniversary, I predicted by 2006 or 2007, we'd have a a rented building with 60 people sitting up in there, you know? It just didn't happen that way. And the Church of God movement, I don't know what the other groups are doing, but the CGI is is kind of interesting in that area. But anyway, what I would like to talk about this, this morning is what we should find when we attend or when we go to a joyful house of prayer for all people. The first thing that we need to find is something that if you turn to John chapter 14, and this was alluded to in both of the prayers, and let's start reading in verse 19. And a little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. This is Christ talking, obviously. Because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and my Father in, you, in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father... And I will love him and manifest myself to him. And this is what Christ is talking about is the the keeping of his teachings, the keeping of his words. And really the emphasis, as I'm putting down my first point here, is the emphasis should be on Jesus Christ. As I was hearing in the prayers and the comments this morning here, the emphasis should be on Jesus Christ because Christ is, is really everything. And he goes on to say, and Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If any man, anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come in to him and make our home with him. I'm reading from the New King James. What he's saying, and, and you know, I'm not going to get into theology here. I'm just going to get into what Christ is saying. He said, if you keep my word, what are the words? Those are those words that we've always got. I know what he said, yeah, but uh, I got got to do it this way. No, the plain, simple teachings of Jesus Christ. Pray for your enemies. Give expecting nothing in return. Plain, simple things, seemingly hard to do, but there are blessings that come when you take it. On yourself to pray for the enemy or those that somebody that does you wrong. So, these plain, simple teachings of Jesus Christ. And you know, as he said his words, you know, the the, the theological arguments that go both ways on this thing, and I don't get it. But the book does say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? I hope I'm quoting that correctly. And the Word became flesh. God, or an attribute of God, became flesh. And Jesus Christ, as was mentioned, I think, in one of the prayers. Now, Jesus Christ was the word, if you will, of God. So really when you say one way of looking at it, and I'm sure it's not quite that simple to us, but I do say that when we're in the family of God and God says, okay, now here's the way it is. This, this principle is going to be a very simple thing. But one way you can see this is that if, if the words of Jesus Christ are dwelling in us, then Christ is in us. He is dwelling in us. And he said the Father is dwelling in us. He said, if, if any man loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home. The King James says our abode with him. So it, just, it doesn't come from just a, a lot of good talk. It comes from having the words of Jesus Christ. Having the word in us. That's where it comes from. So when people come to the Church of God International, no matter where it is or any church, they need to come to people who have the word inside of them. Living it. Trying to do it. Practicing it. Thinking about it. That's what it needs to be. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which I hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So we see here that Christ is saying that the words that he uttered are very important. So that's what you should find when you come to a joyful house of prayer for all people. The people in there should be full of Jesus Christ. They should be practicing what Jesus Christ taught because Christ is the foundation. Now, I used to start this presentation in Isaiah 56, but I think I'll end it there today. Because there's some, some framework here. The emphasis needs to be on Jesus Christ, not on the, the conditions back then, though they are important, because if the word, if he was the word, he uttered the prophecies back then to the prophets and inspired them. So we need to find that people are in the place that are living and thinking more like Jesus Christ. Now, how does Christ think? Let's look in Matthew chapter 11 and see something, how he looks at things and what he said his mission was. Matthew chapter 11. Let's start reading. Let me see. Let me get there. For some reason... My tablet does not want to go to chapter 11. I keep punching 11. Let's go to 6. Okay, chapter 11 and verse 28. This is a characteristic of Jesus Christ that is very profound when you stop and think about it. In verse 28, it said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. This is a call to a certain group of people, basically all of humanity when you stop and think about it. I submit that most people that come inside of a church door, especially a Sabbath-keeping church door, you're probably not in here because you were so successful, not that you were unsuccessful, don't get me wrong with what I'm saying, but something brought you here. You didn't just get up one morning and say, oh, I feel so good. I think I'm going to start keeping the Sabbath. No. Something happened that you you went through a process where maybe I better start keeping that Sabbath. Now, maybe everybody didn't do that, but most of us did. And I start doing that. But Christ said, come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, some translations say of me, For I am hard to get along with. I yield authority. I went in and I kicked those people out of the temple. Yes, he did, as God in the flesh, dealing with leadership, dealing with crooked people. But how does he present himself to the average person? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me or learn of me because I am gentle." I am gentle. You don't see Christ kicking around, talking bad about the little little folks, if you will, that he dealt with. You just don't see that. He said, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. He set the example at Passover time by washing the disciples' feet when he was really the leader. And he set the example as if if I, the leader, have done this, you ought to do it also. The CGI, you get a good chance to do this. Most men in the CGI get a chance. Even the minister, the, the, the guy that sets up the thing, the minister has the wonderful opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. And I fret over that sometimes. i fretted over the years. To sit at home and try to get a sermon together, to go, go to services, set up all the chairs, to lead songs and give the sermon, you know? (laughs) Servant leadership, that's what we talk about in the CGI all the time, servant leadership. You get a chance to practice what Christ said. Too many times I've grumbled at that, but that's what he said. He said, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You'll find rest for your life. You'll find rest because the more we strive to do these things, the more peace we're gonna have. But I will tell you something, the more you try to do them and the more you try to practice them, there's an element out there that will come along and try to take that peace away. All kinds of thoughts pop in your mind, and you know what I'm talking about, that that, say 10 years ago wouldn't, wouldn't happen. But now you gotta fight that aspect of life. But he said, you'll find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you don't know You don't really know that it's a light burden to pray for your enemies or somebody that's doing you wrong until you practice it. When you practice it, you see there is a certain something that comes along with that that you don't see if you don't do it. So that's the kind of attitude that we're coming to, a a Christ who is that type of a being. And this is what we should be ascribing to or trying to be as his followers. Another scripture that points to something as we get into this house. Let's do, uh, go to chapter, uh, Luke chapter 4. And we'll start reading in verse 28. Luke 24, Luke chapter 4. And verse, I'm sorry, eighteen. Sorry, verse eighteen. It's amazing. After, after Christ had been tempted by Satan, <clears throat> he came back and he started speaking. In verse 18 of Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the good news to the poor, to preach to the poor that there's a better way coming. Now, we don't know just this. the term poor, it could have been a lot, whole lot of things, but Normally we think about financially poor, but this could have been another category. I didn't look into the Greek words to get all into that because that's something we can do on our own later on. Some of you already know it, you you know the Greek. But when I look at it from the perspective of what we're thinking about, the poor people that come into the house that we call the house of God, they may be financially rich, but there's a point somewhere in some, some of their lives where they need something that only Christ, well, every human being needs something that only Jesus Christ is, can supply. So they have a certain need, and they show up at our services, and they show up at the church, the church door. So to preach the good news to them, to preach the good news, and I remember back in the day we focused on the kingdom, and that's fine, but... There's also good news that Christ said, if you're heavy laden and downtrodden, come to me and I will give you rest. That is good news to people who are beat down and downtrodden. And I submit to you that most of us in this room, at some point during the week when we show up at Sabbath services, we have, if we let it get us, a reason to be downtrodden, to be poor, if you will. But those things help us develop character, help us to be what we ought to be, and also to be like Christ. Christ suffered. You know, we, we get promised out there that if we obey Christ and obey God, everything's going to be, well, everything will be all right. But in this life, we will have tribulations. And Christ said in another place, you've got to learn how to hate this life. And I was kidding with Mr. Shepard. Uh, we got to talking about age and uh, I didn't tell him, but at my age, now there's some days I wake up in the morning and I'm not just excited about this life. Though I'm blessed. Very blessed. But I'm still not excited. There's something about it that life is just not. I don't, you know, at, at, at 27, when I came into church at 20, whatever it was, life was exciting. Had the desire. To own my own business. Fly the airplanes. Do all these things. But now at uh, 60 plus, <laughs> none of those things really, really excite me like they did back then. Get very simple on what we want, but that's the way it goes. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, the brokenhearted. There are people who come in that have issues, they have problems, they have certain things that are bothering them. They need encouragement. And another thing said to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are people who come among us that are really in captivity. Some of us have had things happen to us in the past in our childhoods that we're still captive to. They're still plaguing us. And I submit to you that sometimes in our groups, and I'll put it, bring it to home, I won't say this group does it, but sometimes as Christians, we get to listening to the political arguments. And these people, I don't think they care anything about abortion. They care nothing about homosexuality. They want the votes. And they 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 make us... And all those things are wrong. Don't get me wrong. If it's straight down the line, like they say. I'm opening myself up here to, to some criticism, and I'm opening a box I didn't intend to open. But let's, let's say, for example, there's a boy that is... Well, I better not say that. This is a... um, <laughs> You guys are crapping my style. That's good. <laughs> Maybe I'll learn to control my tongue. <laughs> but if you find a person where they're sitting in this room, where the doctor made a decision when they were born, whether it was a girl or a boy, and the person feels differently, the doctor cut off the wrong thing and left the wrong thing there. And we holler and talk about these people in these conditions, and that person is sitting in our amongst, amongst us hurting. So, what I'm saying is that the prevalent issues out there, sometimes they're distractions. Now, I know sin is sin, but also telling a lie every day, every week about the act of abortion is just as bad as committing it. Sin is sin. So when somebody comes in, we need to show them Jesus Christ. We need to show them no matter what you've dealt with in the past. If you did wrong, you've tried to repent of it, just like I've tried to repent, Christ is for you. So he's going to set you free from that. Recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to those who are oppressed. So we see, I read this to see, show the kind of atmosphere that people should find when they come to this joyful house of prayer. They come in there, and let's 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 say that uh, let's say I'm a, a perpetual thief, you know. But I, I don't want to do it, but I just do it. And people come in every day. Yeah, everybody out there is stealing all the time. They're just stealing, stealing, stealing. Okay, I'm going to feel bad about that because I'm trying to overcome it, and I don't hear anybody saying, "Well." Sin is sin. You can repent of anything. And God wipes it away and he forgets it. So that's what I'm getting at. And people come to us. You know, when you stop to think about it, it's better now. But anger and, and bitterness about the past used to come up a lot in, in, in our circles. Because back in the day, there were lots of situations where, again, turn that thing off. me. <laughs> <laughs> The CGI accepted people at other places they couldn't go. And today, CGI and I meet people where they are. We don't, we don't have a lot of demands. All we say is we want you to try and learn to serve Christ and follow him with all your heart. We're not going to visit and check up on you to see what you're doing. That's between you and Jesus Christ. So I guess I better get off of that subject and go on down the road. <laughs> a joyful house of prayer. These people should find re- refuge there. And uh, there are all kinds of people that come with all kinds of conditions and we need to, to think about that and be concerned about those people. Not that we're excusing, not that we're agreeing, not that we are saying, hey, this is all right. No, but when you think about it, a liar is in just as much danger as some of these other categories of, of people as the people on TV want to persuade you and make you vote, make you jump off the boat. And then our people get wrapped up in it. And that's what consumes us. And we come into church services, and that's our conversation sometimes. And I'm, I don't know globally what this is like, but I, I'm seeing my experiences. Today, probably a lot, of, a lot of church members are more concerned with what Mr. Trump is doing and what Mr. Trump is saying and what other people are saying over there than they are and what... Jesus Christ, our Savior, is saying in our services as we meet a joyful house of prayer, taking joy and pleasure in what Jesus Christ has done for us and what He is doing. That's the, the joyful house of praise. So, what will we find when we come in there? One thing we're going to find is we'll see in Psalm 100. Psalm 100. There's something we will find and uh, it says make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands. Now I came up in an environment where I lived for the day where I could get away from going to church. I saw a lot of showboating I thought, a lot of clowning I thought. I saw a lot of old men, up, oh, you need to praise him, you need to praise him. I'm thinking, oh, man, they were younger than I am now. <laughs> Why don't you shut up and sit down? <laughs> now that I've <I's> gotten old, <laughs> as that old commercial say, seen a thing or two, <laughs> I see what they meant. <laughs> All of it may not have been showboating. Some of it may have been genuine praise and thanksgiving to God. So I've, I've lightened up on my judgment of that type thing. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. And I submit that if somebody came in here and made a joyful shout, we may have to issue you out, usher you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this funny in a funny way, but let's face it. In here, when we think about what Jesus Christ has done for us, where God is taking us, you know, it ought to be hard to sit still and stand still when we start thinking about it and singing about it. It ought to be hard when you really stop thinking about what we're doing and what we're saying. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you sure? We're glad to to get up and come here on the Sabbath. I say I'm glad to prepare a sermon, to get up and drive 120 miles and sometimes have to, not an hour and 20 minutes, sometimes have to set up some chairs, though I'm thankful I got some help now. At the end, I tell you the truth, I don't know how glad I am up in the air, because I'm tired. So some of these things have some conditions with them, but ideally, we should be serving the Lord with gladness. We should come before his presence with singing, joyful singing, praising God and worshiping him and Jesus Christ. Know that the Lord, is God, and he has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. We should come into this room with thanksgiving and praise to God. And I will tell you that uh, I was basically uh, forced to retire from a job. I got into a situation where my interests were not there. My skill level was not what they needed. And I know why they, they hired me. They don't know why they hired me. But I know I needed the extra money at that time for something that was coming upon me. But they would write me up. It started about six months after I started. They'd write me up, they'd write me up, they'd write me up. And finally, after about three years, I realized, well, this thing is getting critical. They're gonna fire me, so I went on and retired. But in the process, I said, I'm gonna try something. I prayed for them, I asked God to bless them. I said, they're trying to keep their jobs, and they got an operation, and maybe I'm just in the way. So bless them, Father. After a year of sitting out there, 11 months of watching and reading Matthew 6 and listening to the birds, he takes care of the birds, so he'll take care of you. And I said, Father, thank you in advance. You're going to take care of me and the little birds. I said, hey, I don't have to pay no alimony. (laughs) I don't have to pay no (laughs) rent. But still, Father, you'll take care of me. Well, one day I got a call, and to make a long story short, with a job offer. You know, back with the state, I'd work for the state. And i tell you what, I went to the, no, I had a temp job before that that lasted two weeks, and then the permanent job came. I went to services, and I told, told the people there, I said, look, I have been out of work for 11 months. I would say that I got a job, I didn't get it, God gave it to me, and I'm going to do something I have never heard of a Church of God elder doing but I'm going to jump up and down and praise my God that he gave me a job, and I did it. <laughs> when, when he puts you through the right stuff, you'll sing the praises. <laughs> and as Mr. Shepard and I were talking earlier, I know I didn't do it. I got some skills, yes, but God gave me that. So let's move on to, to something else here in this passage we're reading. It says, with thanksgiving and its course with praises... Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures forever. So the idea here, here is that when we come into this house of prayer for all people, we should come in here with praise and with thanksgiving. I won't read, I don't know how my time is going, but I won't read Psalm sixty nine. But if you read sixty nine, Psalm sixty nine and verse twenty nine through thirty six. It talks about praising, and it says, magnify him with praises. What praises does, or what praises do, is that they magnify God in our minds. And you study this this thing and listen to these folks talk about the brain now. They understand the brain now in a way that they didn't understand it. People, way back 100 years ago, they had an idea, but they couldn't prove it. Now they can take a person and put him on a machine and see how that brain is functioning. And the more we think about something, the more we live it, the more we think about it and roll it over, the more it becomes us. And this thing of praise, the more we give God the, the praise and the credit for doing something, the bigger God gets in our minds. So all of this is important. Our our thinking, and I know that uh, and I've been to places where every other word was praise God, you know, and I kind of, mm, but... I'm changing on that. I'm not saying that you've got to start doing that, but all I'm saying is that, and I'm sure we in our minds, we acknowledge that God has done things for us, but a little verbal stuff probably won't hurt now and then. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So thanksgiving and praises, and I won't turn to Philippians 4, where any of you that have seen, seen a thing or two knows that Philippians 4 says, look, uh, let all your requests be known to God And uh, with thanksgiving, and he'll give you peace. So we know that there's a process. You go to God with it with thanksgiving. You thank him in advance for his deliverance, and peace comes. So that's what we do there in the praise. Another thing we do is we come before God with thanks, with singing. Ephesians chapter 5 is a scripture that we use, that we look at here. Ephesians 5. And let's start reading about verse 18. Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, going back, when you think about it, one idea of being filled filled with the Spirit is being filled with Christ's Word, with the words he spoke, and with, as you can put it when you read John 14, carefully, God and Jesus Christ is living in us as Holy Spirit. Now, there are arguments about that, I'm sure. But the book says, Christ says that he and the Father will make their abode with us. So theologians can say what they want to, but I'm looking, when you look at what the Bible says, somehow or another, that happens. Mechanically or spiritually, we may not know how it happens, but they dwell in us. And my suspicion is that it ties in with the Word, the words of Christ, because really, when you look at it, life is up in the head. Life is in the brain. The more we are thinking about Jesus Christ's sayings and his teachings, the more we are becoming like him. It's training us. The paths are being formed up there where we're, we're, we're making the right paths. You see, the thing about it, if, 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 if I make you mad and you curse me, I make you mad and you curse me, you're setting up a pattern there and you're learning to do that, down the road it's going to be automatic. But also, there's another thing that if I make you mad, you pray for me. That's hard, but make you mad, you pray for me. Eventually, praying for somebody that makes you mad is going to be, I would say natural, but let's say spiritual. (laughs) But Paul says we ought to sing songs. And there are three categories of songs uh, that he mentions. He says Psalms. Now, we sing the Psalms no problem, no doubt about it. These are these are, these are very powerful uh, things to do. Uh, they're also uh, teaching, some doctrine they teach, but the Psalms is no problem. Hymns uh, is a little bit more nebulous, but we, we kind of differentiate. A hymn is something that's written, but it's more, it's kind of a somber thing, you know, relating us to God in a certain way. And I won't get into that too deeply because I may not fully understand it myself, but there is a difference between the psalms and the hymns. Now, the next one is the category of spiritual songs. These are songs that we sing, uh, and I'm sad to say a lot of times we've avoided those songs because we didn't like where they came from. But when you stop to think about it, the song, one of my favorite songs in our hymnal is the Lower Lights. The guy that wrote that song, I understand that he left home with his shoes Strung across his back. That was all he had because his family just couldn't support him, couldn't make it. And he heard a doctor, uh, I want to say Moody, I believe it was, give a sermon about the purpose of the harbor lights. So this man wrote this song about the struggling seaman. If you set the proper light out there, you may be able to save him. Basically tying into an example. Some struggling fainting, struggling seamen You may be able to rescue. You may save. And all of these spiritual songs, they have a, a certain meaning to them, a certain feeling. And I think that, I really believe they're inspired because they have a story. It's like a, Amazing Grace. I think that's the one that, uh, you know, the story that Mr. Newton was a slave trader and something happened to him that, that he, he, he had a change of heart and he wrote that song. So these songs that are so powerful, they have a, they have a story behind them a lot of times. Then there are others that are just rejoicing type songs. I know when we started this program and we had a, a keyboard player and he brought in a lot of songs. And one song he brought in, I never cared much for it, but he liked it and the, the people liked to sing it. I was a little bit scared of it. Mr. Gross came out there to visit us and I said, I'm going to spring this song on Charles Gross. <laughs> but it's a song, some of you, maybe it's a southern song, but it it goes, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing at the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh, Lord. A lot of meaning to it. But I never cared much for the song. <laughs> but Charles didn't say, look, Roger, we think you need to tighten up. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is that there's a range of music. If the words are good and if the congregation feels good, Not that you now, there's songs you could feel good singing that might be wrong, but you get what I mean. If they relate to God, relate to His principles, then the songs can be can be done because that's what the spiritual song is. Another thing that we uh, would find in that house of prayer for all people, we would find prayer in there. We would find that people are praying now, public prayer. Christ said a lot about that because the people were hypocritical about what they did, but I'll just refer you to uh, a couple of scriptures. Uh, Acts, I mean, 1 Samuel 1. You know, when Hannah was praying because she was not with child, she went to the temple and prayed, right? But another example in Acts 15:16 and verse 13. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was Paul or not, but whoever the, the, the disciples were, they went down to the river where prayers were wont to be made. So it looks like there was still some public praying going on. So what we did is, uh, what we did is, we have a an intercessory prayer portion, just like uh, you do here, but ours is a little different in that we have a sharing session where people verbally share their concerns with the congregation. I realized that we had a real big congregation, maybe it would get too, too long, but. And then after that, later on in the service, we have someone offer an intercessory prayer for these situations. And while I'm talking about that, I will say that uh, we've had the privilege of participating in some services and then praying for some people where cancers have been healed, where people have been relieved of all kinds of things. I won't say it's just because we were praying, but we were privileged to be a part of that operation, of that that concern. So we see that praying is important. Now, let me read Isaiah 56 as I get ready to kind of move toward the end here. I don't know how my time is going, but Isaiah chapter 56. I generally look at the time I'm supposed to quit but uh, and back home it's, it's 1230 so I'm not sure what it is here but uh, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 56 what I did was I turned this around normally I would start off reading the scripture first but Since Christ is the foundation, I thought I would start with Jesus Christ and what He taught and what He did, because really what He was doing was a lot of these things that I mentioned here. He was fulfilling it and setting it up. It says in verse one, "Keep justice and do righteous righteousness. For my salvation is about to come, my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps the Sabbath, keeps from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps his hand from doing evil." Okay, so these things we've just talked about, all the activities that we do, we want them to be um, according to the teachings and the words of Jesus Christ. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. What he's saying is that, just like we we talked a minute ago uh, about the people that Jesus Christ said he came to help. You know, and and to put it the way it is, if, if someone in our groups, in our especially the CGI, we wouldn't, and I'm not making comparison with other church regard groups, but this group this analogy probably wouldn't work as, as well as most of them when you make them on the fly like this. But if a per, if, if a person came into services with a turban on, and maybe they used to be a Muslim or maybe are Muslim and they're looking into our way, then what Christ is saying and what was inspired here is that they're going to be able to be a part of that group too. Don't let the eunuchs say, I'm a dry tree, for thus saith the Lord. The eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, even to him will I give, give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. A compensating type situation. So Christ said, bring me your poor, bring me your, those that are brokenhearted. Also in Luke 6, he talks about what he, he came to do. He came to, to get rid of all of these things that made it, made it physically not ideal for people to become involved with his way. He, he took the table, he took nationality out of it, he took race out of it, he took all of these parameters and said, look, a human being, I have come to help and he came to help and to rescue and to save all human beings, everyone. But here he says, to the eunuchs that keep my sabbaths and choose what pleases me, I've read that, better than that of, a name better than that of sons and daughters, to, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So really, there's a one day that people who don't have children, who don't have a progeny, so to speak, Will have a name better than being the, the father of so and so, because really, probably in some some uh, societies, that's forgotten. You know, I know, I know my daddy, is naturally. I know my dad is daddy by name. I've never seen him; just saw one picture of him. That man, I have no idea who his daddy was. So that happens kind of fast sometimes. But Christ mm-hmm. is saying uh, through the inspiration here that. These people that come in that have no children will have a name better than that of sons and daughters. He said, And within my walls is a place and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, and they shall not be cut off. And the sons of the foreigner, who joins himself to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant, even them will I bring into my holy mountain. So, even the people that were not born uh, in the, the tribes of Israel, other nations, other people of other, other genealogies, he's saying they will have a part too. So, there's no need of us in this day and age even thinking about where somebody came from. And it's like I told my daughter when Roots was on that movie, I watched some of it. Uh, didn't particularly like it, but sometimes I got to watching it and I just couldn't quit. But my daughter kept fretting about not knowing where she came, not knowing her genealogy. Not, and I made a profound statement. I got frustrated and said, Sonia, it's not where you came from, it's where you're going. <laughs> and, and that is really true. We're all the children of God. We're all headed for the kingdom of God. And they said, everyone who keeps from defying the Sabbath and holds my fast and my covenant, and, and, and by the way, this covenant here, when Christ is talking about it, he's not talking about the killing of animals and all that stuff. He's talking about what happens with the spirit up here. It has a lot to do with, mostly everything to do with what our intentions are. Even to him when I bring in my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. That's what this is all about. Uh, this fact and this statement that was made said, I'll make them joyful. For my house, the burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations or all people. So this place and wherever God's people are meeting on the Sabbath should be and is in our ideas and what we want, a house of prayer for all people. I don't think in the CGI anybody turns away anybody that comes in, and I think we generally try to respect people that walk in that door and we're happy to have them so but that's the the bottom line here a joyful house of prayer for all people so what I will do in conclusion I will read and share with you what we did some years back we we started a program and and we were a new group and we decided how we wanted it to function so what we did was we uh, made a little brochure And the first one, I didn't read this psalm, but behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. This is what we thought, well, this is what we want to be. Our mission statement that we wrote back then, to do everything in our power to make this a joyful house of prayer for all people and a shelter from the storms of life, using the love of God with every person supplying his or her part. And that sums it up. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a house of prayer for all people. Now, let me just show you a little bit about the schedule. Uh, what we do is, uh, we, we, on the brochure, we had Psalm 100 uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We have a song. Then we have an opening prayer. Uh... Then we have uh, announcements, and basically uh, doing the announcements, we would have, we have a sharing, like I said, we have a telephone hookup, so we allow people on the phone to, to talk and to share their prayer requests with us. Sometimes it may be private and people say this is a, how do they say it, a none they don't tell you what it's all about, but just say, I got a situation, pray for me. So we, we, we entertain that, and. The people in the room, then they can share and ask have prayer requests or whatever. Also, this is a time for sharing and praising God and giving him thanks for what he's done. You know, thanking him for what's happened in the past. Then we have two songs. After that, we have a reading of a psalm of praise. And I think you guys did it here once. I was here when a little boy, read a psalm. But what we do is we have a psalm of praise read, and generally it's a psalm, it doesn't have to be, but we do this, and just to kind of, the, the whole service, we want it to be oriented toward God and Jesus Christ. That's what we want it to be as far as the fulfilling of our purpose. The psalm of praise can be a song. If it's a real long psalm, then they break it. They can chop it up, you know, don't do it all. But we allow anybody to read it. We allow little children to read it. We allow ladies to read it. And uh, when, when we have a visitor, though, I kind of caution The visitor, in general, I ask people not to comment if you read because, you know, if you let a lady read or ask a lady to read the psalm of praise, and she says, now that means such Roger King's got women preaching down there. You know how that goes. (laughs) So, but the the ladies read the psalm, and and to me, it's a beautiful addition to our services, and my thinking, personally, and nobody's ever called me down. Tyler knows I do it and everybody, but if a woman can sing a song Why can't a psalm, why can't she read a psalm? That's my reasoning. And uh, I think it adds to the service. After that, we sing two more songs, and these songs are generally getting us ready for intercessory prayer. See, what we want to do is start this service off and have it moving toward consciousness of God increasing more and more. We have two songs, and these songs generally are preparing the people's minds for intercessory prayer. After these two songs, we have a minute and a half or so of silent prayer and meditation. That way anybody that, you know, we can all take the chance then to pray to God for what happened uh, during the the week or whatever. I would like to comment here is that this idea came when I was back. I never thought about it when I did it, but there was a church group that was started by the Worldwide Church of God. And I I think I gave the first sermonette in that church group. This was back in the 80s, I think it was. But anyway, the first meeting was during some time after the tragic thing that happened where a lady had driven her children off into a lake. And a counselor said that if that person had had somebody that she could talk to, that probably that wouldn't have happened. So that's where this idea of a shelter from the storm came from. And the idea, of, I gave those people in that, that uh, I don't know, maybe it just happened, I don't remember, but I, I asked the people to take a minute or so and pray to God. And uh, I think that God blessed that, that activity. So when I became responsible in the CGI for a group that I, I picked up on, it. I had never thought about it that much, but uh, we decided to use that. So that intercessory prayer by the people, and then after that minute and a half, one of the men will... Lead to uh, give the intercessory prayer. No more talking. We go up <laughs> speaking, yes, but talking. No more, no more talking. Generally, there are no more announcements. The uh, after the after the intercessory prayer, we always try to have special music lined up. We hit you with the special music, and we sing uh, all kinds of music. I, I tend to kind of. Look at it and make sure you know we, we don't want showboating. We want it to focus on God and Jesus Christ. And there are lots of songs out there with a lot of good meaning that we use and that are inspiring to people to hear and to listen to and sometimes to sing along with. So we play that. We get them off of YouTube and listen to them. We play that uh, special music. Then after that, no announcements, the sermon is given. And the sermon generally it's going to be like 45 minutes or what, 50 minutes. We try to quit out services at 11, at 12.30. We start at 11, try to quit at 12. But the sermon naturally covers these things that I've been talking about. And obviously the minister focuses the people on Jesus Christ. The sermon is important. But uh, back in the day when people didn't have the opportunity to attend services, maybe they, they wanted to listen to a long sermon all the time, but in this day and age, and we've got the CGI groups, a lot of times they're, they're getting older. And I know I've got some people, though, one is in the hospital now, but uh, they drive, have driven an hour and 20 minutes or so to get to services, and sit in services, sometimes hurting and in pain, and then have to get out and find something to eat and drive another hour and 20 minutes back. So we try to keep it so that they can make it a little bit better. So we have a sermon. Then after that, we have a, a song and a closing prayer. So that's what we do, and uh, like I said, we, we try to focus our services on Jesus Christ and so that we can be better and better at the process and the idea of making our place a joyful house of prayer for all people. Thank you.